This week's sponsor is absolutely perfect for true crime fans, especially those of us that love a twisty, turny murder mystery. June's Journey is a game set in the Roaring Twenties. June's sister Claire and her husband Harry were found dead, and June is certain that they've been murdered. Now she must travel to New York, where her sister's estate was, to look after her niece and solve the mystery of Claire's death. You go along the journey with June, searching for hidden objects in different locations from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris, uncovering hidden clues to solve the mystery as you go. I'm already on chapter six and the mystery has gotten so good. I cannot wait to uncover more clues. I'm also loving how you get to customize your very own luxurious estate island. That's right, let your imagination run wild as you decorate your island with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. My pool is literally insane. It has a waterfall. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free on iOS and Android. Reese's Peanut Butter Blast. I have it waiting in my freezer. I'm so excited. So this episode is going to be approximately 10 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) My roommate just came and dropped off uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Blast for me. It's waiting for me in the freezer. Little treat after this episode. I got to get a better roommate. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Your roommate cooks dinner for you. I know, but it's really slacking on dessert. Welcome to another episode of True Crime Creepers, where we talk about all the real life creeps from serial killers to con artists. I'm Kristen, the true crime fanatic who loves to tell these stories. And I'm Mo Gap, the true crime newbie who hasn't heard any of them. Is this story going to be my treat? This is your treat of a story because I think it's one that you're going to be very interested in hearing because you already know a little bit about it. What? Impossible. I know. I know. But you do. Because today I'm telling you about the disappearance of Jason Landry. Hold on. I know this name. Uh Uh-huh. Now, this is a case we've actually talked about before. We've both basically been following it since the day that it happened i've been following it a little more closely for a little longer yeah because why can't i place his name hold on all right is this in the seven eight six 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 yes yes yeah what happened here yeah i know so we both started following it the pretty much the day that it happened when jason landry was driving home from texas state in san marcus eat him up cats Oh, and he's driving to Houston, and it's a route that we're both so familiar with. It's the same route we took every time we drove back and forth from home to school at Texas State. You drove that route way more frequently than I did. (laughs) And then post-graduation, I took that route on purpose to participate in the annual Luling Watermelon Thup, which, if you have not gone, is a small-town classic experience everyone needs. But I would go to Luling after graduation. To go to yeah, that. And that's where he disappeared. On that oh. drive home in this small town of Luling, Jason Landry completely vanished. And this case, oh, I'm so like listening. I fully expected when I saw that he had disappeared and he like was a Texas State student, he was driving the same route that I've driven. I fully expected him to be found. I didn't know the details of the case. I didn't know anything about it except that he was missing. And I fully expected to hear that he'd been found safe and sound like the next day. And then when Uh he wasn't found the next day, I was like, okay, they'll find him tomorrow. They'll find him the next day. Uh And when it was like three days past, I was like, something terrible happened. And I couldn't believe it 
And I still can't believe that we're going on a year and a half later. And there's no answer. We still, still? don't know. No, but there are theories. So we'll, I'll work you through those. Oh. I actually started working on this case last week. I was like, I've been wanting to do this case. There hasn't been a lot of information, but I've been wanting to do it. And so I just started working on it last week. And then I saw the Facebook page for Jason that like for him missing. Mm-hmm. And they announced that there would be an episode of Disappeared on him that would be running like on September 28th, which was like the next week. So I decided to wait a week and see what the Disappeared crew had found about this case. So big thanks to Disappeared Season 10, Episode 4, The Long Drive Home. And and that it that it is. But Yes. Okay. Oh my goodness. I man, I I've yes, tell me every single freaking detail. Because when this happened, it really did. I <laughs> despite me not being able to place the name right at first, this really did consume me for several days because it was so I don't know that I have seen a case or something where like every image that popped up was a place that not just I recognize, but like I have a memory there. Some core memories that you're like yeah. seeing flash on the news and you're like, wait yeah. a second, like, wait a second, this could be me. I could know this person. I like, I think it's the closest I felt to like being involved in like actually knowing a person that's missing or like knowing like someone that has died in a tragic way that like caught media attention. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. Yeah. I, yeah. It just, it was just that case that hit so close to home. And I've had a lot of hometown cases, but this was a Texas State student like me making the drive home for Christmas like I made dozens of times. Like I have been exactly where he's been a hundred times. And so it's different than these stories that just kind of happened nearby. Yeah. Jason's parents are Kent and Lisa Landry, and they are now his voice, his advocates, and they want so badly to know where he is and what happened to him. And I want so badly to know where he is and what happened to him that I can't even imagine how it must be for his parents. Jason grew up a preacher's kid, along with his two siblings. His dad, Kent, is a licensed lawyer and has been the senior pastor at Southminster Presbyterian Church in Missouri City since 2009, which Missouri City is right outside of Houston. And he says that Jason was a very strong-willed, courageous person. He loved adventure, and he was incredibly optimistic. And he was just the type of person that assumed everything would just work itself out in the end. And like... (laughs) exactly how I feel half the time. So he loved music. And so in the fall of 2020, he decided to go to Texas State and San Marcos to study music there. And it was a weird time because of all the COVID restrictions. But Jason seemed to be enjoying being there. Jason had just finished up his first semester at Texas State. He was done with finals and he was headed home to Missouri City for the winter break. But his parents weren't actually expecting him home. He hadn't told them he was coming. Mm. He had plans to meet up with some friends in Missouri City. He was going to hang out with them, play video games, smoke weed. The night he left was Sunday, December 13th, 2020. And he texted his friend, Jack Frank, who was not only a childhood friend of Jason's, but also his next door neighbor in San Marcos. And he told him he was about to hit the road. And it was late. This was close to like 11 p.m. So Jack told him, you know, you should maybe get some sleep before you leave. 
Jack knew that he hadn't really been sleeping well like the last couple of days, but Jason told him he appreciated him looking out, but he was all good. And it's about a three-hour drive from San Marcos to Missouri City, maybe close to like two hours and 40 minutes at that time oh, of night. if you're driving, listen, it takes me a solid <laughs> three hours and 22 minutes from door to door. Look, Google even said two hours and 40 minutes when I put in, because I put in like the time, you know? Yeah, I guess I always stopped at Bucky's and went to right. <laughs> Two hours and 40 minutes if you're not stopped, like nonstop. If you, but you got to stop at Bucky's <laughs> and the Waterburger in Columbus. I would stop twice. I know that's excessive, but your girl got to do what your girl got to do. <laughs> so that would have put Jason getting home around two o'clock in the morning. I'm like trying to put myself in the shoes of like a 19 year old college student. Yeah. Like, would that be now. weird to us in college that you're leaving to go home I, at 11 o'clock at I night? I never did it because the drive from San Marcos. Until you got to I-10, that like 30 minutes uh-huh. of the back road, 80, 183. There were, I was like, I'm going to hit a deer every time. Like I was so right. terrified of that. But yeah. once you get on I-10, yeah, no problem. Yeah. Jason had only driven home twice since living in San Marcos, so he didn't know the way. And getting onto the freeway can be kind of tricky. Like, like you just said, you have to drive through a lot of small towns and through a lot of country roads with no streetlights. So it's very dark at night. And there's deer. Mm-hmm. So Jason uses Waze to navigate. He opens his Waze app, which means that from the time he opens his Waze app to the time he closes it later, they can see minute by minute exactly where he is and trace his route. So it takes him down Highway 80, which is a very dark country road. And he's driving down this road and he gets to Martindale around 1111, which is a really lucky time. (laughs) It's like, that's a lucky time to get to Martindale. Probably the only reason he didn't get a ticket because that entire town is a speed trap. I wonder if it's still like that. Like you say Martindale and anyone that was a student in like the 2000s right. is like, oh, you speed know. Speed trap. <laughs> right. Like, is that still the exactly. case? Let us know. I don't we know. Need to know. He goes through several more small towns along his way. And at 1124, about a half hour after he left San Marcos, he reaches Luling. And Luling is right where you get off that dark country road, Highway 80, and you get onto I-10, which is a really big freeway. But he never makes it onto I-10. He quits the Waze app as he's driving through Luling, which is a terrible idea because Luling is where Highway 80 does this weird thing and it turns into Austin Street. And then you actually have to turn right to get back onto 80 for like a couple little while. And then that'll take you to I-10. So... It's very possible that maybe he thought this was going to be like a normal thing where Mm -hmm. the highway goes straight to I-10. And so and then he got turned around because he closes ways, but he closes ways and he opens up Snapchat. And that's when his digital footprint completely ends. About an hour later at 1230, a volunteer firefighter was driving down Salt Flat Road when he saw a car off the road and it looked like it had crashed. And when he gets out to check it out, he sees that the headlights were still on, the keys were even still in the ignition, but he could tell that no one was inside the car. The passenger door was locked, and it looked like the back window had been kicked out. Now, this is weird, because they kept saying the car was found in the 2300 block of Salt Flat Road. And every time I looked at it on a map, I figured I had the address wrong, because it's just a gravel road, like truly in the middle of nowhere. So Uh I figured like maybe the address just wasn't marked correctly and that it had to be closer to Luling because this is like five miles away from Luling on that gravel road. Like 
you'd think he he would realize that he's gone the wrong way before five miles and like turned around because he's going in the complete opposite direction that he should have been going. He was on 80 and he would also think he's like, okay, I'm lost. You'd think he'd open ways up again. And so there's some theories about this later, but he was on 80 and he should have taken a right on Magnolia to get on I-10. But it seems like he took a left going away from I-10 and he drove miles out and he ended up literally out in the middle of nowhere. Like there's nothing around here. So this volunteer firefighter calls the Caldwell County Dispatch, and it took about an hour for a trooper to come out. It's like the uh, highway patrol that Uh does all the traffic accidents. And so he's driving up the road. He's driving kind of slowly. He's looking for the driver of the vehicle, thinking that maybe the car had crashed and injured the driver. And maybe the driver got out, wandered around, and was now in a ditch seeking medical attention. Like disoriented, like stumbles out and is trying to like get somewhere. Exactly. Their main concern right away was to find him because the temperatures were dropping. That night, a cold front was blowing in and temperatures would be in the 30s, which can definitely cause hypothermia, like especially for a Texan out there. Uh, Yeah, I was just thinking like, yeah, I mean, that's not great, but like it's just context, you know. Yeah, but even if you're used to colder weather, if you're going to be out all night in the 30s, you need to be prepared. I mean, you can do it, but you need to be prepared with yeah. like Jacket. jackets and yeah. like all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I don't he didn't have any of that stuff on him. But the trooper doesn't find anybody and he gets to the car. And the strangest thing about this scene was that the trooper found clothes about 900 feet south of the car. And it's not just a pile of clothes like these clothes are strewn about the roadway as if Jason was walking down the road, taking off articles of clothes one by one as he went, including his underwear, like down to the underwear, and throwing it on the ground. Socks, underwear, shirt. Do we think it's the clothes he was wearing? Or like if he's going home, it's like he's probably packed a bag of clothes if he's going home for the holidays. Yeah, investigators say it is believed that the clothing discovered was the clothing worn by Landry prior to the collision. But there's no evidence that the clothing was removed under duress or threat. There's also not a lot of investigation. So I was going to say, but like, how do we really know that? Right. Was there blood on the clothes or anything? There was like one spot of blood on the shorts. Again, he's in shorts in the first place. Yeah. Now he's fully nude. There was a small bit of blood um, on his shorts, but it didn't. It seemed like kind of maybe old blood. Like it didn't seem yeah. like it was recent. And there was no blood anywhere else. They then find a backpack that included his wallet, and this is when they're able to identify the missing person as Jason Landry. They also found a laptop, some game equipment, a few personal items, as well as a prescription bottle that contained 10 marijuana blunts. Everything they were seeing seemed to point towards an intoxicated college student from Texas State that had been goofing off and gotten a wreck. But... No one could figure out why he'd taken all his clothes off. It's 2 a.m. when they call Jason's parents to let them know that they found his 2003 Nissan Altima and that it appears that it's been in a collision. And Kent said to get that phone call at 2 in the morning is just unimaginable. And, and you can't do call, anything. You're hours away. It's not even well, like... He, I could not imagine that frustration. Like, what do I, what do, I do? I'm not there like... 
what what should I do? You know, and that phone call just changed his entire life forever. Yeah. The trooper told Kent and Lisa, they're both on the phone, that he, uh, Jason crashed his car into some trees and a private fence. And he asked him if they'd been in contact with him at all that night. And they said they had not spoken to him. And Kent asked the trooper if they'd been able to find Jason's phone. And the trooper said no. And then Kent asked if they should head out. He didn't know what he should do. They just felt so helpless. And the trooper seemed very nonchalant on the phone with them. In the episode of Disappeared, Kent said that he didn't want to use the word nonchalant. But there was body cam footage from this phone call. And I have no problem calling it nonchalant. It was very like. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I no, didn't find his phone. Um, I don't know. I think it's Maybe a drunk college here. kid, you know, which is right. so frustrating. Like, right, so and they, it's like at this point they have assumptions, but they don't really have anything but a prescription bottle full of marijuana blunts to know if he was intoxicated or not. I mean, they don't have him yeah. there. So Kent waited for a few minutes for the trooper to call back, and then he just decided he had to get out there. He could not just sit around and do nothing. He needed to go. So he took off for Luling with plans to help with the search or do whatever needed to be done. And the closer he got to Luling, the more he felt like he was just going to see Jason walking along the road and everything would be fine. But he didn't see him. And the highway is so dark. As Kent gets into Luling, he figures it won't be hard to find the car because there's got to be a whole search team out there. He'll see the police cars with their lights and sirens, cops using spotlights to look around the area. But as he turned onto Salt Flat Road... There was nothing. Nobody. And then Lisa called him to tell him that they'd already towed the car. So even the car wasn't there anymore. So Kent asked her to call the patrolman back and find out exactly where the car had been. And she does. And she said she had to wake the guy up because he'd already gone home and got to bed. So they just left this scene Without doing any kind of search for this missing driver. Or like roping at all. I mean, they've disturbed. They've they did not the secure the crime scene at all. No roping off. Well, I don't think it's a crime scene, but like it is. But okay, so she was able to give him the, the exact location and he found the accident site and he started taking videos with his phone, which was really smart. And it's really good that he did this. He could see track marks from Jason's car in the gravel that are kind of swerving on the road like he's overcorrecting himself. And then maybe like spun out of control on the gravel. But it's not like crazy out of control. I mean, it, it's like kind of a swerve. And then he just drives straight off the road. Like it's not like a wiggle back and forth or mm-hmm. like a huge a amount spin. of. Yeah. Yeah. No, nothing like that. And the track marks go off the road onto the grass and like right to a tree. And the driver's side like looks like it hit the tree. But the passenger door was locked. And so they think to get out of the car that he kicked out the back window and he went out the back window instead of just scooting over because like the if the driver's door was blocked because he was right on mm-hmm. a fence, scooting over to the passenger side and getting out the passenger door, they think he kicked out the back window, which is weird. And I feel like doesn't support a theory of he just got out of the car and wandered around into the right. woods. And then... The, the swerving to me is like, was there a struggle with someone in the car? And then, do you know what I mean? Like, someone's in driving or whatever, and you're fighting with someone, and you swerve off the road, and then you or, get out the back window. Or was somebody else driving that car? That's what I'm saying. And he's like trying to get, or like he's not even in the car at all. 
Oh. And they like took the car and like staged this whole accident, mm. you know, to make it look like that. That's kind of one theory, which I mean, even then would he would have had to go through the back window. It's just it's weird. This episode is sponsored by Pros. Supporting our sponsors really helps support the show. A couple of years ago, I decided it was probably time I figure out some kind of skincare routine. But the problem was, and has always been, too many options. I don't know exactly what I need or what's best for me and my skin. So thus far, my solution has been to just buy a skincare line off the shelf and hope it helps. But that's all about to change when my custom skincare from Pros comes in. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. In fact, in a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised, controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, Pro's proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or get your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so that you can see the difference custom care can make. That's 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash creepers. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash creepers for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash creepers. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 a day or $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck, and then access your money as you earn it instead of having to wait for it to hit your account. Any money you access, including any optional tips, are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. It is a much-needed alternative to predatory payday lenders for people that find themselves in a bind, like a bill due Wednesday when payday isn't until Friday. Or you're like me and you're just getting slammed with birthdays. Why are all my friends Tauruses? With Earn In, I don't have to worry about being late with a gift because I had to wait for payday. Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Creepers under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. Creepers under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. And then Kent sees a pair of socks on the road, and they were like silly socks. And Jason was kind of known for wearing silly socks, and he knew immediately that they were Jason's. And let me ask you, why is Kent alone on this gravel road and the evidence is still laying in the street because yeah. a little farther from the socks were Jason's shorts and then his underwear and then his t-shirt. And then about 20 feet away from that were his Nike slides that he was wearing, his shoes. The police had just left it all behind, but they'd taken the drugs with them. I'm sure I'm sure they'd taken the drugs. Yeah, I'm sure. They'd just gone home and gone to bed without searching for Jason, without collecting the evidence, without securing the scene at all. And this I guess they think that this is PD. a... No way. Who is this? This is the, the highway, patrol. highway patrol in Luling. Yeah. And it's a sheriff's department. It's not like a police department. Right. And 
I get that they think that this is a traffic accident. Don't you still get that stuff, though? Because what if it's a drunk driving act? I mean, don't you still collect something? I mean, I've been in a fender bender and gotten more, <laughs> like, investigated than this. Yeah. Yes. And I, I just think, okay, they think that this young driver is intoxicated and gotten this one car collision and is out wandering in the but shouldn't woods you still look out for there. Him? Like, shouldn't we still be looking for that? Shouldn't person? we still be looking for him? Right. Because if he is wandering out in the woods and he's potentially totally naked. And intoxicated. That's a problem. And intoxicated. Then if you leave him out there, he's going to die. So maybe get a team out there. And no one's making it from San Marcos all the way to Luling intoxicated on that on those roads. They're just not. You're not doing it. It's hard enough. Yeah, something probably would have happened like in Martindale. <laughs> That's yeah, Martindale. <laughs> and because I don't I don't know how all these like things work and jurisdictions and all of that, but there is a stretch where it's like Martindale, Luling, state trooper highway patrol like there's like four there's a place where sometimes there'd be like three cars and there's like a yes. one mile stretch where they can just yes and, 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 and you the would speed limit goes boom, up and boom. down and up and down and up and down and you've got to like be making sure you're but i i don't know is it is it like that at one in the morning i mean it's not for the midnight? faint of heart that's all i'm saying <laughs> right so luckily kent had the foresight to document with a video on his phone where all the clothes were before he goes around and picks them all up. He also finds a toiletry bag on the road that belonged to Jason, as well as his betta fish that was now dead in a tumbler that Jason was using to transport it home. Oh, I... Oh, my gosh. The amount of fish that were in my cup holder in college. (laughs) Didn't you say he was a freshman, too? He was a freshman. So he was a sophomore. Like, there's a video of him saying, I'm Jason Landry, I'm a sophomore. But they said that this was his first semester at Texas State, uh-huh. so it, it seems to me like he was a transfer student in. Couldn't find a whole lot of information on that, and it wasn't super relevant, but uh-huh. yeah. I'm just was, saying, tell me you're a freshman or a first-year student without telling me. It's the beta <laughs> fish in your cup holder. Yeah. I also hate that you say 100%. beta, but I know we've looked it up, and it's I know, It is beta. beta. I, I know, know but I know. I'm, I'm not going to give in. I'm trying to say it correctly, like charade. <laughs> no, Sherrod, you're wrong. We we did Google that, and I know that you cut it out of the episode because I waited. But everyone, Kristen says Sherrod, and it's charade. And all of this, the clothes, the toiletries, it's at least a football field length away from where the car crashed. Like, it's it's yeah. not like it just fell out of his car, Yeah, you know? But was there a bag? I know there was the backpack. Was there a bag of clothes? No, not that I could. I tried looking like what else was in his car because did, did he not pack? Yeah. But they like, just said Do like, we know he was backpack. going home for the holidays? Yes. I mean, because, well, because he because he texted the friend that. That's the only indicator. Yeah. He said, I'm I'm like on the road. Yeah. I'm hitting the road or whatever. No, that's a really good point. And like information is limited, but I did Google it and I looked into all these news articles about what was in his car. And the only thing I could find was that there was a backpack found that had like a laptop, a computer, the game, like, or, well, the laptop mm-hmm. was the computer, a laptop, some gaming equipment, 
And then like a few other personal effects. But I'm like, if you have a full gaming system in your backpack, you're not having a lot of room for clothes for four weeks. Mm -hmm. So I didn't hear, I didn't ever see anything else about another bag. And to me, that could be indicative of two things. One, maybe he wasn't planning on going home. But he brought his fish. So he was planning on going home. Maybe he just had a lot of clothes at home. You know, maybe he like had left a lot of clothes at home. I'm not a 19 year old boy. I don't no, know. They're how they stinky. Pack. They'll wear the same ship for. <laughs> <laughs> but um, maybe he just had clothes at his house. And so yeah. he like didn't pack a whole lot of like extra clothes. I don't know. 19 year old men invented the COVID wardrobe where you just wear the same thing for days. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, no judgment here. Or two, somebody took it out of his car yeah i mean i'm assuming right the trunk and everything was searched so so i don't know maybe that's the thing by the time they get this car there's almost no trunk left the entire back bumper was like inside the trunk like it was so damaged the back i thought he i didn't think the back was the wreck yeah wait what right so Supposedly, Wait, he hit the it hit a, a tree. tree, the front. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So what happened to the but back? But the back bumper is completely caved in. When like, they caved when in. they get there or when it's towed? Like when they show up. When they like get that. there. Mm-hmm. Like somebody rammed him from behind is what it, I mean, the bumper is inside the trunk practically. Oh, like, that's definitely what happened then. Someone rammed him off the road. Yeah. Well, I, I know. Okay. <laughs> Kent said it still pisses him off he said it is your job to do the most basic thing like collect the evidence but from the very beginning highway patrol thought this was nothing more than a one car accident with some college student who smoked some pot and had just wandered out naked into the woods you still have to go find that person (sighs) that is still a thing that requires (sighs) a response I don't I it's so frustrating it is so frustrating the only thing at this point that Kent cared about was finding Jason so he had Jason's phone on his find my phone you know so he Uh. looked that up and he could see that Jason's phone was at the tow lot probably inside his car so they didn't even like really search his car that well oh my god so around 5 30 kent showed up at the impound lot to claim jason's vehicle and the impound lot was closed but he eventually managed to get access to the car and he could see like i said the car's completely wrecked like the back bumpers totally caved in it was completely in the trunk the back windows completely blown out there was damage to the front as well it was a little banged up and it looked like the tire maybe was blown out it was kind of hard to tell from the pictures there was definitely some damage to like the wheel area uh-huh. of the at the front driver's side. But if you look at this car, the most extensive damage is in the back. And I just yeah. in this situation, I don't know how that's possible. Like how did this that happen if this is the scene? If this because is actually the, the wreck. Because the scene wasn't really the wreck. Uh-huh. Probably. That Man, That's what it looks like to out. me. Think about how many times we've driven that. Like ourselves, by ourselves. At, never at 11, but like probably at 9. Right. I don't know. I I know I've done it at least once or twice late, especially when I was going back and forth between an at-home boyfriend and... Yes. Yeah, you, know you I mean? left late a lot on like a Friday night or a Thursday yeah. night. Yeah. Oof. 
Kent found Jason's phone in between the seat and the center console, but he had no way to unlock the phone. And there was no other evidence of where Jason was. What I really want to know is who snapped him or what was he doing on Snap? Why did he open his Snapchat? Like, why close ways and open Snapchat? Probably because you got a notification, right? Like, yeah. you're not sitting at a red light. I mean, or you're sitting at a red light. And so you just like open An Snapchat to look at something, you know, while you're at the red light. But I'm like, what was he looking at on Snapchat? I was he trying to grab a picture of something that was happening? <gasps> Do you oh, know what I mean? And real. it's like the most accessible yeah. because he uses it. Often, so I'm it's sure. like right there at the front, maybe more right. than his camera. And he's like, I'm about to record whatever's happening or take a picture or like somehow get something on my phone of what's occurring. <sighs> oh, my God. People, quit using Snapchat. It disappears. Like, if you are in a stressful situation, don't use Snapchat is the, I mean, open what you can, but make it a better app. So Kent starts making phone calls to the police like, hey, why isn't anyone here searching for my son? And they're like, oh, yeah, we should probably do that. So that day, like this is the the next day, they officially declare Jason missing and they get Texas Search and Rescue, a.k.a. Texar, out there on December 14th to start the search. And Texar is a nonprofit search and rescue that smaller communities bring in when they don't have the resources for full-on searches. Very similar to Texas EquiSearch. And I think they actually like kind of combine resources a lot because Texas EquiSearch did come in to assist on this. But they do foot searches, searches on horseback, aerial searches, like everything you need. Mm -hmm. The searchers were going all over the crash site. And on the other side of this hill from the crash site is a retention pond that's about a half acre big. And all of the search dogs kept hitting that he went into that pond. So huh. this is seeming like the most likely scenario. Like Jason staggered out. He was messed up from the crash, messed up from, you know, whatever he'd been on and starts taking his clothes off, saunters into the pond and drowns. Like that just So there's seeming... like full of water. Yeah, it's, it's not full drained. Of water. Okay. No. So they bring in dive teams to search the pond. They brought out sonar imaging to image the pond. And then they get permission from the owner of the pond to just drain the entire thing. And at this point, Kent is fully yeah. expecting to get a phone call any day that they'd found his son's body in the pond. That just seems like the most likely place he would be. Mm -hmm. He spent days waiting for that phone call. He said words cannot express that living hell of just oh. waiting picturing him floating in that dirty water. But they drained that entire pond and he was not there. Hmm. It's not that Kent wanted to find him in the pond. Yeah. But when he wasn't there, the question was, then where the hell is he? Is this foul play? Is he lying in some shallow grave around Luling somewhere because someone uh -huh. maybe put him there? Like where else would he be? Jason's friend Jack said that he saw Jason every single day that week and there was like a lot of contradiction, like a lot of contradictory statements that people would make. Like he said that he seemed like his normal self, pretty happy-go-lucky lucky guy, but then later would say that he hadn't been sleeping in like four days or something or not yeah. sleeping a lot. But he said that like a lot of people, Jason was having a really hard time with all of the COVID restrictions. and. Mm -hmm. You know, it was really tough being away at school, but still doing everything online. And you're mostly shut up in your bedroom and you're not really connecting with people. And 
Jason's an extroverted person and COVID was hardest on the extroverts. Like it was really yeah. hard for him. Right. Some of us thrived. <laughs> right. Jason had been uh, smoking a lot more weed than before, according to Jack. And Jack said that he noticed that Jason's thought process was getting more and more off the rails the more he smoked. Jason was getting really overwhelmed by all of the things that he had to do, getting overwhelmed with the massive decisions that you have to make at that age of what you're going to do with your life. He hadn't been sleeping or eating properly in the days leading up to his disappearance. And that is why Jack was so worried and told him to get some sleep before he made mm -hmm. that drive since he'd been up so long. But Jason just told him he'd gotten some sleep earlier and that he was fine and he left. Six days later, Jason was still missing. And I remember following this case. I was checking for yeah. updates on Jason almost daily at this point. I just expected to find him any day. I did not expect to be a year and a half on, almost two years with nothing. But Yeah, I kind of assumed when you told me, and I was like, wait, I kind of just assumed it had been, because I did, I followed it for like the first week because it was mm -hmm. just constant. Yes. And I pr probably more so for you living there. I mean, but we saw it up here too. But yeah. And I mean, obviously I saw the reposting and stuff, but then it was like nothing. So I assumed they had found his body, I guess. Yeah. No. And I, I remember when like day three went by and no sign of him. And I just knew then that it was going to be bad. And I mm -hmm. remember being shocked. Like I was so surprised that they didn't find him. Yeah. I just remember like thinking this is too close to home for this to actually turn into something bad. And I, of course, didn't know anything about the clothes on the road or anything like this, you know, yeah. but by day six, you're definitely searching for a body at that point. And it's just so devastating. Helicopters were going up. Canine teams were coming out. Drones were deployed. It was pretty intense. And there was still just nothing. And I just wonder if this had been done 24 hours earlier, 12 mm -hmm. hours earlier, you know, it just seemed like they were searching in the wrong place now because there's just nothing in this area. So police requested that Texar stop all their searches until they investigated more and got more information that might tell them where to look, where he might be, because he's not like the mile area around the car, around the crash site. Nothing. They had it had been searched over and over and over again. There was nothing there. Yeah. So they go, they processed the entire car, they collected DNA, they fingerprinted the outside of the car, they started looking at any videos in the area like game cameras out in the woods, hidden mm -hmm. cameras put up by the landowners and property owners out there, video from convenience stores in Luling. There was nothing on these cameras that, that was helpful. The Waze geolocation data was helpful to a point. You know, they could see minute yeah. by minute where he was. But right at the crucial moment, he left Waze and he opened Snapchat right when he was supposed to turn. And... But so, I mean, and it just immediately, like, deleted – or not deleted, but, like, stopped his footprint, like, just that quickly? It said that after that, his digital footprint stopped, they couldn't follow him anymore. Because with Waze, you're hitting every single cell phone tower and it's, like, yeah. bouncing off. But I guess be, unless you have an app that's sharing your location like that, you only get location when you're, like – making a phone call or texting but then sometimes i think sometimes they can ping it in a moment and see where a phone is right then like they can track the location but in hindsight they can't see a phone where a phone has been you know unless yeah. there's one of these apps running 
I just feel so, like you every know, app is always like, share your location. I feel like every yeah. time I open something, and I'm like, no, stop. Ugh. And now I'm about to be like, yes, share all my business. Share all, all of my business all the time. Yeah, I don't know. So I don't know. It, it is definitely possible that he opened Snapchat and he closed Waze. So now he doesn't have his directions and he gets turned around and he's like intoxicated. So he doesn't even realize that he's so turned around until mm-hmm. he gets down Salt Flat Road. Road. And then maybe a hog or a deer hops out in front of him and he swerves off the road. I think it's way more foul play. I just, I don't see how him being intoxicated explains the bumper. Like that's like, fine, I'll buy that he was intoxicated and started stripping down the road. Yeah. Fine. But the bumper, why is the bumper so messed up? But I'll also buy that someone rammed him off the road. And was trying to attack him or whatever, and then they strip his clothes off. Yeah. I'll also buy that. Yeah. So this is what investigators think, though, you know, because they got no more location data from Waze after this. So they're they're thinking that he just got lost. Maybe. But, you know, another possibility, you know, he opened Snapchat. Maybe it, it's because he got a notification. Maybe it was someone luring him somewhere. Mm-hmm. So he goes out on that dark gravel country road. So if he ran into that tree, why is his back bumper caved in? Did someone hit him from behind and run him off the road? Was this an abduction? Or did he leave the vehicle on his own to try and get help? And if so, why leave his phone behind? And why strip his clothes off as he walked away? All the people want to know the answers to all of those questions. Well, investigators think that they have their answer when they hear from a friend of Jason's. This was the friend that Jason was planning on meeting up with in Missouri City. And he said that an hour before Jason left San Marcos to head down to Missouri City, they were FaceTiming. And he said that on this FaceTime call, Jason seemed so messed up that his friend actually started like screen recording this FaceTime call because he said he didn't think Jason was going to remember a word that he said later. One, you can screen record a FaceTime call. Two, what? (laughs) Yeah, apparently you can record a screen or you can screen record a FaceTime call. There's no volume on the video. You can't hear what he's saying. So you just kind of uh, police like tried to even have a lip reader come out and figure out what Jason is saying, but the lip reader couldn't figure it out. So they just had to rely on what Jason's friend told them the conversation was about. And he said that Jason was going on about spiritual awakenings and enlightenment and opening his third eye and doing drugs. In the video, Jason is wearing the clothes that they found on the road. So it was definitely the clothes he was wearing that they found. And he's also like sweating profusely. The armpits of his shirt are like super dark with sweat, even though he's inside and he's sitting down at a table while he's talking to his friend. He's like rolling the blunts that the police would later find in that prescription bottle at the crash site. By February, there's Facebook groups set up to try and find Jason. There's billboards put up on highways to try and find him. The media is getting more involved. And for some reason, this case really resonated with the community. Like, I know it resonated with me and you. And like, this literally could have been any of us, me, you, any of our friends from Texas State. Like, it just feels like that. I don't know. So, I don't know. When you're in it, that community feels small. I mean, I know it's not like a small campus, yeah. and maybe it's because we were in Greek life, and so that like made it smaller, but it does feel 
at least back yeah. then. I don't know. Small. Yeah. So Texar's back out searching. They're putting in more than 1,300 hours from over 150 volunteers. They're covering 3,500 acres. On February 26, 2021, they began a three-day hunt with more than 100 volunteers covering more than 31,000 acres on foot. They used cadaver dogs scouted by uh. horseback, used drones. They deployed side scan sonar. They deployed sonar. They conducted water searches, helicopter surveys. Oh, my goodness. And nothing, like, I get that we're not finding him, but we're not finding anything else. Like, okay, so we're not going to find him, but, like, we're not going to find some footprints or some other people's clothes or some something. Yes. No, no, yeah, nothing. Now, there's a lot of wild hogs in the area that Jason went missing. Apparently, I didn't know this. Central Texas has a oh, massive wild like, hog all through problem. Austin too. It's bad, and they are yeah. mean. I had no mm. idea. Yeah, <laughs> I had no idea. Wait, you mean and you've never been hog hunting? That's not a pastime no. of yours. Oh, weird. <laughs> Can't say that I have. And this, these hogs, they can destroy thousands of dollars of crops and property. So if Jason was somewhere unconscious in the woods, it's definitely possible that the hogs got to his body. And not just like his dead body, which sounds terrible, but like him, like alive. They could kill him. Oh, I'm glad I don't have to be the one to tell you that because that's in the script. So oh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm yeah, that's which led me to a Google search that I really did not want to make and apparently oh. didn't have to make. And that mm -hmm. is, how much of a human body will a hog eat? And the answer is basically all of it. All of it. They can't eat larger bones, but that doesn't stop them. They'll just break it down into smaller pieces and then eat them. And basically all they'll leave behind is hair and teeth. And mm. like you said, they'll even eat people that are still alive. So the more you know. Is that not the most, like, Texas answer? They're like, yeah, we're not going to go looking because hog, hogs got them. Okay. I mean, exactly. like, the hogs got them. Okay. It's like well. they, they came to this possibility, which is a possibility. I'm not saying yeah. that that definitely didn't happen. But when you have all these weird things, like his clothes being taken off, the bumper being so messed up. Yeah. Maybe, like, explore other options as well. Nope. The hogs got them. You know what the answer is. If Jason is. was actually eaten by hogs, because that's the whole point of this. That's the whole that's the whole answer of this. That that's no. the only answer. If if that is what happened, his car, like the bumper got it's totally innocent how the bumper got caved in. And Jason really did kick out the window and he really did strip down and get lost in the woods. And then the only answer is that he got eaten by hogs. Otherwise, they would have found his body because they've looked. So hard. If Jason was actually eaten by hogs, that's actually really rare. Mm. It's definitely possible a group of wild hogs can eat an entire human in about eight minutes. God. But in the last 200 years, there have only been about 400 attacks by wild hogs. And 91% of those happened during daylight hours. And most of those attacks were just a wild hog chasing someone up a tree. There have only been four fatalities in the United States reported ever. That we know of, yes. And, 
And three of those, yeah, that were reported. And three of those were against hunters who'd already wounded the say, animal. Yeah. So it seems that wild hogs are like most wild animals. They really only attack, attack humans when they're provoked. So this idea of Jason like being unconscious and like falling unconscious in the woods and then wild hogs coming to eat him like a meal. I don't think that that like happens. Yeah, I did have to in some of the stuff that I had seen when they were like scanning the the thriving metropolis that is Lilling, Texas. There's a billboard that says we buy wild hogs like the we buy ugly houses. And I thought like, <laughs> all right, I'm <laughs> either that billboard went up after to like really solidify like we've got a problem here. We got a hog problem. Or it's just well, you and know. the hog problem is that they're destroying like right. crops and stuff and property. But like, give me one other person that's gone into the woods in Luling and never come out because of hogs. Yeah, like this isn't like, like to me the hog thing is just as crazy a theory as he got stopped at an intersection in Luling and attacked and something happened there that like, right. So I don't think it should be ruled out as a possibility. I think it should just be like at the very bottom after we've run through all of the other potential scenarios. Yeah. And I think that's where Kent Landry's frustration is, is that the police seem so unwilling to explore the possibility that this is anything other than a one car accident and that Jason was eaten by hogs. Yeah. And speaking of Google searches, police discover that Jason had some pretty strange Google searches in the days leading up to his disappearance. He Googled, how long can you live in the woods without food? What? That's, he, that's literally the... <laughs> That's literally a game changer. He he Googled, how long can you go in the wilderness? Oh, he, no. He looked up spiritual enlightenment practices, different strains of marijuana, and wanting oh. to achieve a spiritual awakening by using drugs. I don't. To me, it kind of sounds like he wants to go to South America and have a little ayahuasca experience. Not that he wants to, like, get high, go crash his car flat road. in Luling. And have a, like, experience in the woods. Have you spent time in Luling? It can be a spiritual awakening of sorts. <laughs> of For a small town gal. Yeah, of sorts. <laughs> and Kent is not really convinced by these Google searches, you know, Jason's no. dad. He thinks they're totally irrelevant. He said that basically mm. we should all do some self-reflecting on what our weirdest Google searches look like. And what yeah, that would say before, about us. Days before. Yeah, I mean, but I, if he's looking up, how long can you live in the woods without food? Like, does this really seem like he was planning to go live in the woods without food? Like, he's like, I don't know. I mean, he brought his beta fish, you know. He brought his beta fish. I know. In a little jar. That doesn't sound like somebody who's planning on going, running around in the woods to me. The beta fish really does, really does speak volumes. I think it's just because we've all had the fish in the cup holder. <laughs> I feel like. I never I, had fi- a fish in college. Oh, uh, well, Gloria, <laughs> my freshman year, Gloria was riding shotgun. And the people that are listening to this that remember Gloria, they're, they know. They'll remember. 
Well, Ken says a Google search is not indicative of a person's general character or behavior, and he doesn't even know what the purpose of looking at them would be outside of casting aspersions about someone's character. And I don't know, it does kind of seem like these investigators found a bottle full of blunts and then did whatever they could to make it seem like Jason was just so high that he would have done all this weird stuff, you know, strip his own clothes off, kick out the window of his car, drive down Salt Flat Road in the first place. I think think that stuff. I just I think it's hard as a parent. You don't want to believe that you don't want to believe that your child would like make a decision that could be a dangerous life. one or cost their yeah. life but also the google searches to me are like that you know how you and i apply the rule of like behavior is in an indication of guilt differently the google <laughs> searches i'm thinking about like the scott peterson google searches or the Lacey peter like all these other cases where google searches have been very like fact in a case you know now i'm like i don't think google Google searches searches have ever been fact in a case fact but like we're like that really points to yeah xyz i don't know i just think like somebody googling how long can you live in the woods without food because he's planning on going and living out in the woods without food like i don't i don't get it why would he be planning to do that without food i don't know i want to know more I want to know more about everything. Snapchat. I want to know more about everything. Definitely want to know more about the Snapchat. The, okay. You you probably don't want this recorded, but I figured out that we watched two different videos. I thought I had watched the documentary that you had watched. Mm-hmm. In, in the one that I had watched, they show a video or like a reenactment of the bumper. And it's that he, he swerves off the road. It's gravel. Overcorrects. Uh-huh. And it spins him, and his the back is what hits the tree, and then it the passenger side the but back is the tree, and the, then the, but that's not the what the, the passenger tire tracks show. Yeah, the tire tracks are. He's not swerving all over the place. I mean, it's definitely possible right. that this is so like then he hits the fence after the tree. So they're like they're saying it like kind of like slingshot at him, you know. And I'm like, I mean, I guess, but. But it's also what kills me, too, on the tire tracks is I'm like, there were police there that then just left (laughs) and didn't. I don't know if their tracks were in there. They didn't pick up any of the clothes or they're just walking all over the place. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not like they exactly secured and took care of the scene. No, that's very true. They did not take care of and secure the scene. It's just a lot of. I guess that is an explanation for the bumper. Yeah, but it's like one of those things of like, I don't know, because you don't have proof of Mm -hmm. this is what happened to Jason. It just seemed like they weren't interested in looking down any other avenue because they're just like assuming that this is the answer. And yeah, there are pieces that fit. And, Mm -hmm. And this could be the answer. I'm not saying that it's definitely not. But I'm saying it's not definitely the answer because look. Enter Abel Pena, who spent 26 years in the FBI. He's currently a private investigator. He just happens to have a daughter at Texas State. Oh, be my peep of the week. (laughs) Who called him and said that a friend of hers was missing. And his daughter told him that Jason was a very pleasant, happy-go-lucky, free spirit type of person. She had dated his best friend, so she knew him. And... Felt like she just wanted to help. So she calls her dad, who 
had a organization that he was a part of called Project Absentis, which is a nonprofit organization that has a team of retired FBI agents, Border Patrol, Uh other intel people, and they help out in these missing persons cases. So what a cool club. Yeah. So Pena called Kent Landry and said he thought he could help. He offered his uh, services free of charge to the Landry family. And they are very happy to accept. They, they're they excited uh-huh. to get a different set of eyes on this. Someone willing to at least consider other possibilities of what happened to Jason. So Pena reached out to Caldwell County Sheriff's Department. It was a bit of a dance he had to pull off, trying not to make it seem like they were taking over, but just offering assistance, wanting to work together. Uh-huh. And they said, sure, you know, we're all working towards the same goal here. If you see something that we're not seeing, you know, that's fine, but we think it's hogs and we're kind of done, you know. Yeah. So Pena started his investigation looking into Jason and the sheriff's office thought that Jason was so high. That's why he crashed the car. Pena knew he wanted to make sure that he allowed for other possibilities. And he just saw these clothes as this like giant red flag. But like something is up. Yeah, and he couldn't believe that the sheriff's department just left them there in the middle of the road and then went home and went to sleep. You know, the entire area was trampled on, tampered with. The vehicle was towed immediately. So if there was Uh any evidence left behind, it had been destroyed. Pena also had a lot of questions about how Jason ended up on Salt Flat Road. And it seems like these are the only possibilities. He misses his turn and got lost. Someone lured him there. Or perhaps he was abducted before, like in Luling, and then someone else drove his car out. You know, that Uh kind of seems to be about it. So Pena started talking to the people of Luling, and he starts to get a better idea of the area. And he comes to understand that Luling has a major drug problem. Like, it is wreaking havoc all across Central Texas, apparently. There's been an uptick in violent crime. There's drug traffickers. It's not good. Lots of bad guys willing to do bad things. So Pena decided to set up a tip line because while he was talking to people, it definitely seemed like there were people that really wanted to talk to him, but they were scared of somebody or something. And Mm. he didn't really think the tip line would get that many calls, but they started pouring in Mm. and they had to run down every single lead that they got through the tip line. Like there was a sighting of Jason near Dallas, so they had to go out to Dallas and they Uh. talked to the guy that was presumed to be Jason and it was obviously not Uh. him. They sent people out to Austin because there were sightings of him in some of the homeless camps. There were sightings in San Antonio, but none of them were him, of course. Right. There were also many calls from people in Luling and there was a consistent theme in these calls and that was that something nefarious happened to him that night. Uh. They said that Jason encountered individuals at that intersection of Magnolia and Austin Street, the street where he was supposed to turn right, but apparently yeah. turned left instead. And they said something happened to him there. They didn't know what, but it was something bad. And they were also told that after that intersection, it might not have even been Jason driving that car. Someone else might have driven the car those four to five miles, intentionally crashed it, and then scattered his clothes all over the place. Wow. The crazy thing about this case is that the whole thing comes down to what happened to Jason between 1130 
and 1230. It's like such a short window. It's such a short window. And it's a four mile stretch of road. Like we know exactly where he was up until 1130. And his car was found at 1230. And this isn't like a mega populated area. It's not like Houston, like a block of Houston or like, I mean, like, what's the population of Luling? And I get that people pass through, but like. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, we should be able to go door to door and talk to everybody in like two days, (laughs) max. Well, exactly. Like. And so Pena said that they'd received several names of people that either were involved or might have knowledge of what happened to Jason. But the people giving the names are terrified that if these people are arrested, that something terrible is going to happen to them or their families for being snitches. Yeah, I need more info on that. <laughs> yeah. On January 25th, 2022, over a year after Jason went missing, Pena received a letter, a handwritten letter at his home address, which freaked him out hmm. quite a bit. Like, these people wanted got my home address got my home like they sought out my home address to send me this letter but the letter described in detail everything that they'd been hearing on their tip line a lot of the letter is redacted for the show but i want you to hear this part the letter started with i'm writing you in hopes that you can look into this i heard that the redacted in luling texas killed jason and put longer redacted so to me i think that says like I heard that the XYZ gang in Luling, Texas, killed Jason and put him in a ditch somewhere or, you know, yeah. insert here. It said the redacted. So it, it right. can't be like a person. I heard person. the. It has to be the name of a gang or something. And then they put him somewhere. Like a group. Yeah. Yeah. Some kind of group. The sheriff's office said that they were familiar with the information that Pena's team had collected, but that it's probably just a bunch of hooey. Uh, he said, but you gotta look. <laughs> you gotta look. I'm flipping the fucking table. You gotta look. Well, Mo Gab, you don't understand. You see, people have different motivations. It's the hogs. <laughs> and people have different motivations for sharing information. And so you gotta look at what their motivation is. And it's just this classic sure. game of telephone, you know? They're all getting this misinformation. It's, you know, false misinformation in these investigations. Like, you get it. You get a lot of this kind of thing, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone Only else more. emailed Kent to tell him that Jason had been disposed of by a wood chipper, like in the movie Fargo. Like, they decided to make the <sighs> effort to tell that to Kent. So, you know, there's a lot of people saying a lot of things, but it seems like there was a running theme, like a lot of people saying the same thing. You know, it wasn't one person saying this. Yeah. The sheriff's department thinks that to believe the private investigators theories, you have to discount all the hard evidence. And he either didn't care to share what the hard evidence was that he was talking about that he was discounting or else disappeared, uh, edited that part of the conversation out. Yeah. Because honestly, I kind of feel like they're the ones discounting hard evidence, like the clothes and the, you know. Right. I think they also theorized that maybe wild animals got into his, like, backpack and, like, took the clothes out of the backpack and threw them all (laughs) over the place. But if I recall correctly. Again, a possibility, but. Right. And, you know, how how did the bumper get so smashed if the front of the car hit a tree? Yeah, I don't know. The sheriff's office 
collected DNA and fingerprints from the car. And the guy said that they could run it, but it just it wouldn't tell them anything other than someone else had been in his car. And he's like, how many people have been in your car? You know, it's not going to like tell us anything except they might have been in the car. And I'm like, first of all, very few other people have been in my car, like three other people. Okay. And second of all, me. Well, yeah. And second of all, yes, if it's his best friend from Texas State that comes back as that tells you nothing. But if it's like some hardcore gangbanger from Central Texas, maybe that tells you a lot more. But they won't run it. Not until there's evidence of a crime. They won't Uh. run this DNA or these fingerprints. And he says there's just not. There's just not any evidence of a crime. So they're not running it. And he says they're still actively investigating. They're still seeking out information. And he says, you know, we're still available to the Landrys. But at this point, that relationship is pretty strained. But he goes on to say that he just doesn't think anything nefarious happened to Jason, that this is just a tragedy and that the only person with information on Jason's whereabouts is Jason. Okay. So another theory that has been floating around is that maybe he was like, because Central Texas is like such a known place to have this drug problem, maybe he was stopping off in Luling to get drugs. But I'm like, kid was coming from Texas State. Like, you don't have to go to Luling to get drugs. Yeah, I don't think you're like going to like deal with hardened criminals, I guess, that are in Luling selling drugs when you're on a college campus. Like, and you have to drive through Martindale. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like, you're just not, I don't know. In 2021, the Attorney General's office opened a cold case unit. And it's crazy to me that this is already a cold case because I've, like, been following it since the beginning. I'm like, how are we already cold? But they're going to look into this case or they are looking into this case. And this means that another fresh set of eyes and a fresh set of investigators is going to be looking at this case. And hopefully they can find an answer that wasn't there before. Even the sheriff's office. When does that start? Are we in that? Yeah, we're in that. They're investigating now. Yeah. Even the sheriff's office guy is hoping that the AG's office has other tools and is willing to take another crack at this case. So hopefully. The episode of Disappeared ended with Kent talking about the last time he saw Jason, which was when he was leaving after Thanksgiving to head back to school. And... He told him he'd see him in a few weeks for Christmas and how thankful he was that he'd given him a hug and told him that he loved him. And he said they still have his Christmas presents from 2020. Mm. And he was like, what do you do with those? What what are we supposed to do with those? Which is just sad. I know. I need a break from the – I just watched the documentary from the bonus episode we recorded and I haven't – seen a documentary that's so heavy with like the family talking and crying like just fully the family mm-hmm. and it just tears you up and i want to watch this one but i'm like i need to wait because it's not going to be jason talking you know right. it's right the family and it's just gosh it's gut-wrenching yeah yeah i know i know it's um it's pretty wild so Anyways, that is the disappearance of Jason Landry. And I really, you know, I was really hoping to cover this case. Well, I was really hoping to never cover this case. I was hoping that Mm -hmm. there wouldn't be a case to even talk about. And then I was hoping that we would have some resolution. Like there's like Mm -hmm. something, you know, but there's not. I mean, there's just not. And so it's like, okay, has he been consumed by hogs? 
is did something more nefarious happen to him? Was this, you know, yeah, I don't I, know. Just to listen up, little Bob Kittens, if you know something, say something. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't think anyone does that hasn't. But I yeah, guess. I think that if it was somebody from Texas State, they would have said something by now. But these if people in Luling seems. Yeah. Seems scared. Uh, so I don't know. But it's, um, yeah, lots of theories. Yeah. So let us know what your theories are on that. Mm, that, like, really, that's really tough. Yeah. Well, do we have any shout outs? <laughs> shout out to Texas State, San Marcos. <laughs> what was one of your favorite places there? One of my favorite places in uh, Texas State? Yeah. Um, Don't you go saying Dillinger's because I'll get you out of here. No. Now everything's I, different except for the green parrot. Shouts whatever. to the green parrot and it's carpet in a bar. Carpet in a bar, everybody. I didn't spend a lot of time patroning the small businesses of the San Marcos. I spent more time at frat houses. So <laughs> <laughs> that is memories. a business <laughs> in and of itself. No kidding. Uh, as I'm pulling up the shout outs, can I tell you a. Um, Louise San Marcos story real quick. I just thought about this as you said the square and uh-huh. I know how much the people love a Louise story. We were out one night. This was post-college. I think it was maybe a couple of years. I was back from homecoming and we were out on the square and there was a guy on a bench and he was absolutely like just out of his mind. I mean, really nervous. No one was around him. I was like, we need to call 911. Like, I don't know what to do. So one of the guys that we were with went to see if he was like responsive. He wasn't responding. So we stepped across the street, called 911. The paramedics and stuff came and uh, they got a response out of him. They kind of like got him up or whatever. And so the next day I'd called my mom and was like, you know, hey, I'm, you know, this is my plan to come home. And I just kind of told her about what happened. And she was like, oh, okay, you know, you did the right thing, whatever. So I get off the phone and then she calls me back. <laughs> and I didn't answer and she leaves a voicemail and is just, just, you know, honey, I just wanted to call you back and tell you what you did was so great. I mean, think about it. That could be someone's son. <laughs> and we still joke because I'm like, yeah, literally it is someone's son. It's definitely and someone's definitely son. Someone, it's not like he could be a parent. It was like, that could be someone's son. And I was like, oh. Did you keep that voicemail? You were voice so mail? close, Louise. You were so close. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's on a phone somewhere. <laughs> that could be someone's son. Oh, my gosh. So funny. I just love her, like, sweet little innocent, <laughs> like, just. That could be Honey, think son. about it. That could be someone's son. <laughs> <laughs> you saved him. It is time for the shouts. Time shout for out. the shout out time. All right, are you? I wish Shout would sponsor us because <laughs> for shout out, Shout. If you're listening and you want to sponsor the shout out segment, that'd be really great because we buy so much <laughs> Shout, which makes us sound dirty, like we have a stain problem. But I uh, am just like really obsessed with trying to get everything like as white as possible, and I don't think Shout is the answer. But if you sponsor a Shout, it will be the answer. I've never so, used bleach in my whole life. I don't know how to use bleach. That's why I use oh. shout because I'm scared of bleach. Shout's oh. just like a stain remover. Oh, 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 okay, okay. <laughs> but maybe there's bleach shout. I, there must have been like a whole class that I missed on like bleach and how to file your taxes and how to decorate for the holidays. Like 
It's like everybody else seems to know things that I don't know. And I'm like, I know. Why do you know this? And I don't know this. All right. Thank you. But wait, if someone could, we will give you double thanks if you could slide in my DMs and tell me how to use bleach. And if the clothes have to be completely white, like what if there's like a different color on like the tag or like, does that count? I just have a lot of questions. I need to know how careful I need to be about bleach or I will never use it. I also just don't have that many whites. Like, I wear black. Is there a black bleach? I also feel like we need to clarify on a true crime podcast. We're asking for our laundry purposes. Uh, Correct. So this feels very (laughs) suspicious, but I just need to know how to use bleach in the washer. How to use bleach in the washer, not for (laughs) murder. I know how to use it for murder. I I can use the clues. Okay. Thank you so much to our number one fan, Kelly J. Kelly J. She even Yo. phonetically spelled out our number one. your oh. number one fan. <laughs> your number one fan. Got it. This one goes out to Victoria. Victoria. I love that phonetic spelling. Victoria. That's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Which I believe that is probably Posh Spice because she didn't leave a last name. So. Oh, my God. Are I think you Posh Victoria Spice? Beckham. Posh Spice was my favorite when I was little. Of course it was. I know, but Sporty Spice was mine. I have no idea. What? Why. Probably because I, yeah, she was my absolute fave. You kind of look like That's her. That's like who I would choose to be. I could like see. Melanie. Well, you would look like her. C, Melanie C or Melanie B. Melanie C. That is Mel C. Mel B Mel C. is scary spice. Scary spice. Mm-hmm. All right, thank you so much to Nicole Prager or Jur Gur. I'm guessing because the phonetics is a G. So mm-hmm. Nicole Prager. Thank you so Gosh. much. Did I get it right? Prager. That reminds me of teaching kindergarten and having to teach the G making the G sound, but the alphabet thing that they give you is a giraffe. And that just like, oh, quit doing no. that. Whoever makes those Should materials. Because can I know. Uh, okay. No. Major shouts to, oh, Amy Woodard. And I'm almost positive you're getting a piece of Patreon mail that says Amy Woodward. And I'm so sorry about that. Moga misspelled your name. <laughs> Uh, Shouts to Amy Woodard, not Amy Woodward, despite what the piece of mail is going to say. All this proves is that these are handwritten (laughs) for you. Maybe maybe we also have an Amy Woodward as well. We'll just fingers crossed for that. But Amy, (laughs) let us know. Let us know how that. Sorry uh, about that, Amy. And she's also going to get the one. Your wax seal will be. I was going to say her wax seal is going to be falling off and her name is going to be misspelled. Amy, no, let us know. I really got the wax ratio down, so they're all coming out really great <gasps> these days. Oh, look at you getting getting your expert on. I know. Okay, big thanks to Megan Turnipseed. Tur- oh, what a cool last name. I mean, Turnipseed. Turnip- Megan. Megan. If you don't open a boutique and call it the little Turnipseed... <gasps> We're done here. The turnips, it, like a, like, it would definitely be like a maternity boutique, though. <laughs> like the turnip seed. <laughs> it would be because you're a baby like, clothes. Your baby's like a little the size baby. of a turnip seed. Yeah. <laughs> your baby's the size of a sweet potato. Yes. Megan. Also, <laughs> let she, us know if you need help with the marketing. Also, we're invited to her wedding. So, <gasps> what? Yeah, because her wife is just like you. Oh. Clueless. Are we supposed to hit up our first wedding? <sighs> Clueless with the crime things. Okay, You're my Clueless, plus one. I've never seen Clueless. That's my that's my brand. Clueless, but never seen Clueless. You know. <laughs> 
Clueless about Clueless and everything else. (laughs) (laughs) Give me my new tagline. Okay, Megan Turnipseed, let us know if you're changing your last name. Because then then I have questions about Turnipseed. But also let us know what the attire is. Thank you. Yes. This is for Desiree. It's like Desiree, but cooler. It is because it has a Z. Desiree with a Z. With a Z and a Y. Desiree. Oh, yeah. Desiree. Des. Do people call you Des or Desi? Desi? Desi. Desiree. Desiree Desiree is such a pretty name. I do love Desiree. It is. So it's hard to go by a shortened version, but she says, but cooler. So I do think that she goes by Desi probably with an I. Oh, with a Y. No, she's saying it's like Desiree, like spelled like it normally is spelled with the double E. Right. But cooler because she's got the Z and the Y. I know. That's why I think because it's cooler, I think then she also probably goes by Desi because that's cooler. Sometimes. That is is sometimes cooler. I do love Desiree. Speaking of cool names, this last one. Yeah. Kimberella. Thank you so much. Like Cinderella. Kimberella like Cinderella. Under my umbrella, Ella. Rihanna. Are we just doing word association here now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I want to – can I get renamed? Like my first name. Like, I, I, could be other- I saw – when I was in middle school, I still remember this. I hated my name. I love my name now. I really do. I love the name Kristen. But I did not like it when I was growing up. And I would tell my mom I was going to change it. And she was like, always very encouraging. Like, sure, kid. <laughs> like, whatever you want. I watched yeah. 10 Things I Hate About You. And I was convinced I was going to change my name to Bianca. Could you oh, imagine? Of course. Me could as a Bianca. <laughs> I could actually. I, I wonder if that's like a rite of passage for kids because I remember – Just well, wanting to change your name. You yeah, in sixth grade because it was a standalone campus. Mm-hmm. Like our sixth grade was just a school by itself. I went by my middle name exclusively. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I do remember that. I always And then had... I was like, I can't answer to this. So I, I mean, it. that's the problem, right? Because I always had yeah. plans like maybe I'll go by Christy. Or Christine, or I, I wanted to be Christina for my entire elementary years because Christina Ricci was like, I loved her. Your like, wife. I loved Christina Ricci. She was like my favorite of all time. Now and then, Casper, oh my God, I loved her. And she uh-huh. got to make out with Devin Sawa and like everything she did. And I was like, <laughs> I want that to be me. <laughs> Why so, am I not making out with and, Devin Sawa? And my so- name was so close to hers. I was like, I can just make it her name. <laughs> That's so great. I know. I know. All right. Well, that's all of our shout outs. We will continue with our list next week. So if you didn't hear your shout out this week, it'll be next week or maybe the week after. And thanks so much for listening. This episode was a little different than our normal episodes, but I hope you enjoyed it. And thank you so much for listening. If you could follow us on social media, that would be awesome. We are on Instagram at CreepersPod. We are once a month on Twitter at CreepersPod. And we have a Facebook discussion group that is like on the verge of a thousand members. So if you want to hop in there, that would be really exciting. We're on the edge of glory. I'm leaving that in. You know, if you got a second, it would be great if you could leave us a five-star rating and a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It's a we great just got a new one. <gasps> a five-star? Yeah. I, like, hardly ever check anymore because I'm so scared of the one stars. No, don't be scared. Oh. Oh, we did. We did. <laughs> I love that it's crimes are solved. Well, except for this one. 
Yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the best part is we actually get to find out what happens in the crimes. Not this time. So sorry about that. I usually really don't do, yeah, unsolved yeah. cases because, yeah, they drive me nuts. But, uh, yeah, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> All right. On that note. On that note, have a good evening or day or morning. You know, whatever whatever you're doing. Have a good day. If you're cleaning, go hard. You know. Yeah. Oh, I've been loving that. Yeah. <laughs> Put some put some mustard grease into it. Yeah. Elbow grease. Elbow. What is that? Mustard mustard grease? Put a little mustard behind it is what my mom used to say. Oh. It's like, you know, elbow grease. Okay. okay. Bye, peeps and creeps. Eat them up. <laughs>